Trail and Ultra Runners, what is going on? What's happening? Welcome to another episode of the Coopcast. As always, I am your humble host, Coach Jason Coop. And this episode of the podcast builds off of last week's episode with my homeboy, Dr. Justin Ross, all about mental skills for ultra running. On the podcast this week, we have a CTS coach who also happens to have his master's in applied sports psychology and is also a pretty badass ultra marathon athlete in his own right. He's been on the podcast before. You guys know him. It is Neil Palace. Neil came up with this incredible framework for mental skills and ultra running that works like a periodized pyramid where you start out working on motivation and then you move to mindfulness and then to emotional regulation, imagery and self-talk. And finally at the apex of the pyramid is focus. And I think a lot, I think that will resonate a lot with athletes because you have to start somewhere. You have to start with things that are foundational and that are going to build from one to the next, much like what we talked about with Justin last week. This episode is going to be particularly conducive to the YouTube channel. So if you haven't checked that out, go on and go over there because I flip back and forth between our conversation, Neil and I just talking back and forth, as well as a little bit of a slide deck that he had prepared in advance of this conversation. All right, that's it. I'm going to get right out of the way. Here we go. Here's my conversation with Neil Palace. Neil Welcome to the podcast, man, or welcome back to the podcast. Yes, it's been Thank a little you. bit, it's right? It's been about a year, a little over a year, I think. Yeah, I'm psyched about this. You know, I was uh, kind of reminded today, I'm doing, unbeknownst to you, I'm springing this on you now. Oh, good. Um, I've got a few uh, kind of more sports psychology and mental skills uh, podcasts lined up. I'm recording oh. with Justin Ross, who I know you're familiar with uh, tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm recording with Carla Mahin, who probably wrote one of the more like impactful oh, yeah. books. Yeah. She oh yeah, 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 yeah. I just, you know, I didn't recognize her name at first, but yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I'm recording with her in like early March, if I remember correctly. And in addition to that, like for whatever reason, you know, January rolls around and kind of early February rolls around when we're recording this, I start to see a lot more people getting uh curious about mental skills yes and i take it this is a little bit of the motivation for kind of what why you came up with what we're going to talk about today but is this something that you've like noticed in your practice that there's some sort of seasonality to it you know a, a little bit of seasonality and i think a lot i mean it, it's a lot of it's just rooted in you know my training and uh, you know i'm thinking back you know, when I was going back to, my, to get my second degree in applied sports psychology, um, doing, you know, looking at the research and looking at how mental skills were taught and then even seeing discussions about mental skills periodization. And that's why I was just like, oh, I, I've got to do this. You know, why aren't we, why, why are people doing this more? Um, we see a lot of people doing mental skills training six weeks out before the race, which is like totally, you know, I mean, it might help a little bit, you know, but, you know, you, you know, or I'll get a lot of calls, you know, a week before the race or a couple of weeks before the race. And, and really, you know, the, I think the most important thing is people, you know, doing the reps, you know, do, you know, starting way earlier, six months earlier. Now, this is six months out from uh, the Leadville 100 bike. 
and hundred runs. So we're we're just coming to it right now. So yeah, let's get started. Well, so, I I kind of use the same analogy, right? You wouldn't do physical training or you wouldn't incorporate new physical training six weeks out from a race. At least you shouldn't like you shouldn't right. be doing high intensity intervals for the first time six weeks out from the race or increasing your volume to some absurd level six <laughs> weeks out from the race or even starting training to really like right. accentuate the analogy, right? Starting training six right. weeks out from the event. Right. We see athletes that do that and they're usually not all that successful and they're, unless they're ridiculously talented, but the same yeah. thing is, is on any kind of intervention, right? You can talk about strength training intervention. I wouldn't do that. Six start that six weeks out from the, from no. the event. I wouldn't, st- let me, let me repeat that. I wouldn't start that six weeks out from the event. If you're doing it, certainly doing it throughout the, yeah. through the event is fine. Nutrition interventions. We need to be figuring that out at this point of, at this point of the year and not in just the last, you know, few, few weeks. I've had a number of uh, really high quality nutritionists reach out to me recently saying, Hey, this is the time of year that we need to start this stuff. So it all kind of goes in line, right? It's repetition. And Absolutely. you, you create, you created this, this course and this framework that mm-hmm. you're starting to apply across not only your athletes, but athletes that, you know, you may or may not work with on the physical side to, 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 to give the, to give this, this, uh, Hey, start now some teeth, right? right. So it's not right. just, you know, kind of throwing it in the wind and it's almost periodized to a certain extent. So I kind of first want to yeah. know, like, like, like what motivated you to, to, to start to draw this out in a quite, quite a literal fashion? Well, you know, I mean, it was, you know, you know kind of like I mentioned, it, it really, uh, six years ago, you know, five, six years, no, I can't, I'm losing track of time now um, with COVID. So it was, it was about six years ago, you know, just learning this idea of, you know, periodized mental skills. Of course, I knew about periodization, but I was like, oh, wait a second, you can periodize these things. And then I, you know, just going through the research, seeing a need where you see in the research, they'll do an intervention six weeks out before a race. And then the results are kind of, eh, you know, yeah. you know, you know, and, but you know, you see in the comments there, the results will say, well, what we found out six months later is that they were still using these skills. <laughs> So here, you know, so you got six weeks and then six months later, it was, wow, they're still using self-talk, you know, still practicing this. So does that help them? Um, I, you know, sitting in our discussions or Wednesday night discussions or reviewing them, you know, afterwards, I, you know, we, we hear, you know, a lot about the physiology and physiological testing. And, I, you know, I think about that in regards to ultra runners and I'm like, well, wait a second, you know, why aren't we doing this, uh, you know, mental skills on top of all that, you know, it doesn't take, you know, 10 minutes, you know, you know, let's 10, 20 minutes to talk about self-talk or imagery. And um, so that, you know, it's like, that really got to me, you know, I was like, yeah, let's, let's put that together. So um, looking at it's for a long time, just trying to decipher what would be a periodized mental skills. And then, you know, it, and then I wanted to so, well, let's do a training. Let's do a six week training. Let's do something before the, everyone needs it in July and August, in July and August. And, you know, it's just like, well, let's put this together. So, yeah, I could tell you more. <laughs> so, so no, let's get into it. So yeah. the putting yeah. it together, 
Yeah. You decided to illustrate in a pyramid, which is what we see a lot in periodized schemes, yeah. right? It's a, a, a pyramid. Exactly. It's a pyramid. The, yeah, with the base and it goes to a peak yeah. and it has five different um, five different oh. types of mental skills yeah. kind of layered on top of each other. And I'm going to ask you to describe it. For those of you that are watching the YouTube version, I'm going to periodically bring in this image that you guys can take a look at. It will also be available uh, on my website, jasoncoop.com. And you, I'll refer people to your website as well, Neil, that we can, uh, that you can give right now. And we'll, I'll have it linked up in the, in the show yeah. notes as well. But just to, just to set the stage for you, these five skills that you have kind of like layered on top of each other from the base of the pyramid to the top are motivation, mindfulness, emotional regulation, imagery, self-talk and focus in that order from bottom to top. And the, the, one of the reasons I'm extremely curious about this is kind of the order and why one comes before the other and why one sits on the base yeah. and one sits on the peak. So yeah. for, first off, like, how did you get to this pyramid structure? Why is motivation on the, ba on the base of it? And then it goes through the rest of these and why is kind of focus on the peak? Yeah. So motivation is a foundation, right? It has to be the foundation of what you're doing. And, and and so that that is why simply why it's at the bottom. And there cannot be holes in your motivation. You know, it has to be at rock solid. Why why are you doing this? You know, and so that that's one of the reasons why motivation's right there. You know, and it's yeah, you know, and I have a lot of different pieces to that, what motivation is. You know, and uh, you know why we're doing this. Really, why are we doing this activity? But uh, you know, I I look at it as it has to be values driven. It, it has to be autonomy focused. You have to be connected to people, have support, have feel like you're getting a sense of mastery or competence. And it really should be intrinsic versus extrinsic. But extrinsic could be okay too once in a while, and. You know, the other piece of it is in the middle of a race, if you're not feeling that motivation, action itself can yield the motivation. So getting out and moving can actually kind of yield that motive, you know, yield that motivation. Um, so that really is the, you know, the, um, the, the rationale for having motivation in there. Um, and, Without it, you know, why why are you doing this? Why are you getting up every morning at 4 a.m. to go on this run? Why are you starting your race at 4 a.m.? And why are you still running at 2 a.m.? You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> all these absurd and, times. Like, what is the point of all this? It, well, it's absolutely <laughs> absurd. And, you know, when I, I, I can go off for a while about that, you know, even thinking back to my own races of like, you know, well, what is my motivation? I had to think for a while of, you know, you know, you know, there's people, you know, some people say, you got to have this big why. And like, well, look for a big why. The only thing I can think of is it's fun and I like having an adventure, <laughs> you know. And, um, and I love I love chatting with people. I love talking to people. And I was thinking about this at Havelina recently and uh, where AJW was trying to kick me out of uh, the aid station. And I was like, <laughs> I'm talking. <laughs> this is what I like to do. I'm having fun. I'll make it, you know. So it's, um, that's, you know, that's the rest for motivation. Okay. You know, why? Yeah. Let, let, let's stick there and kind of yeah. peel it apart a little bit since it's at the base. And then maybe we'll take this kind of like layer by layer. 
athletes always kind of want to know like like how do i get motivated for things like what's my why what's my purpose and things like that yeah. as you're you're a practitioner on the other end of this quite frequently yeah. where you're taking athletes through this how do you how do you help them how do you guide them in the right direction so that they're centered around this correctly yeah so you know really kind of taking a look at why did you get into the sport in the first place? What about this? What value, per, maybe personal value is, is driving this? Is it, is it cause it's fun running? Is it because you enjoy exploring, you know, running around the woods for a day and a half or three days or four days? Um, is it, I, you know, really what I would almost ask them to do and, you know, probably, in, you know, definitely in my course is ask you, to kind of write a narrative. Hmm. How did you get involved in this? You know, you know, what is your story? You know, what, what brought you to this? Um, do you get a sense of mastery doing this? You know, I mean, usually if someone's, you know, getting to the hundred mile, they're, they're, they're kind of enjoying, you know, they're enjoying the, the gradual build of, you know, mastery of a skill of competence. Ah, yeah, this is enjoyable. This and, and, Going back to a value, this is a value of challenge. And okay, so let, let's draw those things out. Let's remember those things. Why am I doing this? You might also have the, you know, a big why. Maybe you're doing it, you know, uh, in memory of someone, or maybe you're doing it, um, you know, to raise money for cancer. Um, those, sometimes those could be really extrinsic mm. and not necessary. You know, if you you really have to strongly be attached to that. You know, and I've, I tried searching for whys like that. And I was like, well, I, I have trouble attaching to something like that. So why am I doing this? Because I love running around in the woods. Mm. <laughs> and this is fun, you know, and there's a, there's a twisted amount of fun in this, right? But <laughs> twisted it's all going to be fun, different. I like that. <laughs> you, know, you, know, it, you know, what it is, you know, be, you know, you know. And, uh, but there's also this, you know, for me, you know, and, and for others is wh who are your connections out there? You know, oh, man, I just love, you know, I'm running next to somebody and start chatting it up with somebody. That's so much fun. Um, seeing other athletes um, that are out there that I might know or recognize. Hey, you know, how's it going? You know, and that's fun. Um, that's what bring, draws me to this. But everyone's going to be different. Find out what that what's powerful for you there. Mm. What is going to what is that thing that, you know, that's like. Yeah, this is what's what's taking you around the next corner. You know, it, what's it, taking over the next hill. It seems like it's a kind of a really deliberate process, I guess is what I'm trying to get at is is you just don't like wake up with it. You've got to go through the internal dialogue yourself totally. and say what's meaningful to me. Absolutely. What's meaningful to me? You know, why is that meaningful? You know, and it doesn't have to be like super elaborate. Yeah. And, you know, have a good idea what it is. Now, some people just, they know immediately, you know, and I love the, I love the competition. I love running around outside. Great. Okay. Let's, let's remember that while you're getting up every morning. What do you say to, to people who have a hard time finding where this base is? Because it is so important, right? And you're starting here for a reason. You're starting here you know, for its importance, right? It's got to kind of every, but everything's got to lay on a foundation. Yeah. When people get, when people have a stumbling block over this, I'm not motivated or I don't know what motivates me to do this. Right. What do you specifically do to kind of crack that code? I think, I think that's where that narrative comes out. 
when did you start this? You know, when did you, what, not, not this questioning, but when did you start running? What did you feel? Mm. What emotions did you feel when you first started running? You know, when you first got on the trail, when you're out on a trail for three or four hours, what emotions are you feeling? And it might be suffering, you know, but it might, there might be other things in there that kind of supercharge it. Like you know, your dopamine, you're, you're feeling that rush, you know, you're feeling, experiencing some flow and, so what is it that, you know, if you can, you know, and we have to kind of tease out what those words are for people, because some people might not, you know, what is that emotion? Oh, yeah, you know, you know, talking to someone the other day is like, what did you smell out there? You know, what did you, you know, oh, yeah, the furs, you know, oh, yeah, you know, just, yeah, I was able to see, you know, a deer, you know, feel like I'm out there all alone. And that just gives me a sense of freedom. But it's really tapping into those emotions. They're there, you know, but you know, sometimes they're, you know, a little pushed back. It's almost like an origin story. That's kind of how I was yeah, totally. how I'm listening to it. Like if totally. you kind of go back to, hey, I first started running and I felt this, and then I kept running because I kept feeling that this or that, or maybe it changed a little bit. That's kind of yeah. the way that I that when I'm listening to you, that's kind of like the key to unlocking it. Absolutely. You know, what's your origin story? And even if it's changed a little bit, go back to your most recent run. What did you, what did you enjoy about that? You know, because it's going to change. I mean, motivation, you know, and, and I'm working on a blog um, with one of our other coaches, uh, Patrick, um, you know, on, you know, on d- taking a DNF and you know, looking at motivation as dynamic. You know, motivation is going to change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not going to stack. The same thing you loved 20 years ago isn't necessarily, you know, the same thing you're going to love today. You know, yeah, it's just the way it is. You know? <laughs> okay. So we've got motivation as, as the base. Right. Next rung up the pyramid is mindfulness skills. And out of everything right. out there, this is kind of like the most buzzy, right? Everybody wants oh, it's totally buzzy. Everybody wants mindfulness practice, meditative practice, and things like that. Yeah. So take the listeners through what you mean by mindfulness skills and why this comes next. So, you know, what I'm referring to is, you know, first of all, being present right here, right now. And what we're doing sometimes, if you're able to do this, is observe our thoughts observe our experience where we are thoughts feelings sensations non-judgmentally and we're going to return to the present moment and some people are able to do this really really well you know and not even know that they're doing this if you said are you doing mindfulness <laughs> they oh okay were you lost in your thoughts not really i was you know kind of right here looking at the trails kind of following you know chasing down you know these other runners okay you were really mindful and really present right here, right now. Does a mindfulness, a mindfulness practice helps and puts energy to this, right? And it gives you the tools starting early and practicing this, practicing it while you're running, practicing it, you know, in the morning, when you wake up, practice it while you're washing, washing dishes, you know, that can help you to, you know, to develop those skills if you need, you know, to enhance them later on, because some people, you know, may not have that. I guarantee you, well, 
I don't want to guarantee anything, but, <laughs> but it was like all, all of a sudden there's, you know, I'm, I'm writing checks to Coop here. Um, so the, I guarantee you though, if you were to, you know, do, you know, there's, um, there, there are tests of mindfulness out there, you know, these, uh, psycho psychometric tests that you can give people. And I always guarantee you that some of the, you know, the, the elite of the elite, um, you know, folks are winning some of the big races, you know, pretty mindful, even though they may not say they practice mindfulness or something. Yeah. Um, you know, I would almost guarantee that they're having an ability to kind of, okay, go through this, some of this stuff really quickly, not even think about it and go, I, I swear, I see people getting hooked up is when they're getting hooked on those thoughts yeah. and getting pushed around, yeah. pushed around by those thoughts. And that's causing problems. Yeah, I notice the same thing that a lot of athletes, they are mindful, but they're not deliberately practicing mindfulness when they're actually out on a run. And, and it's because it's like it's a, it's an intentional act. And especially the really good ones, as you just mentioned, they're not going through the motions when they're out there training. That's part of what makes them extremely good is they're deliberate right. within their practice. They don't necessarily make the connection. Uh, you know, I, I give a example in my book of a mindfulness practice just when you're folding your clothes, right? Can you right, feel the right. buttons? What does the fabric feel like? Is there a crease? Yeah. Is there a seam? Yeah, Can you yeah. feel the stitching on it as you're folding it? And the, the, like those kind of things, they almost like when you present it to some people, it almost seems kind of silly. But there's a, there's a translation out to the competition field that happens when you do those things in a normal environment for you is you know washing the dishes and we can give you know five or six other different examples but when you can take them in a normal environment and then extrapolate into the in the competitive field it actually makes you just that much it just makes it that much more powerful yeah oh totally and if you can build off that so yeah learning to fold your clothes maybe eating a raisin you've, you've probably heard about the the, the mm -hmm. raisin mindfulness experience or eating some candy or something Go through the raisin thing. Let's not skip over that. Okay. Yeah, go uh, through let's the not skip thing. over that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So a really, you know, a really good um, mindfulness uh, tool, you know, or mindfulness um, meditation even uh, is to get a piece of food. Maybe it's a, a raisin. Um, I had somebody with a piece of candy last night, you know, and what, what you're doing very much like you talk about unfolding your clothes is, you know, you're first looking at that raisin. Let me see if I could show this to the cameras. You're looking at that raisin, you know, or I should show, you know, I should show some one of these bolts that I've got here. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to pro bar bolts. <laughs> I, 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 sorry about that. Sorry, sorry about that. I know. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I know you don't talk about sponsors. <laughs> no, I like Pro Bowl Bolts. I, I buy I, them. I, I, hey, I, I buy just, Pro Bowl Bolts. And, and the problem is, is I don't eat them mindfully. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what should you do? Let's go through the exercise. So, so let's go to the exercise. So you're taking this piece of raisin and just looking at it with curiosity and maybe looking at you know the wrinkles, noticing the colors. You know what you know what is you know it's brown or black or what what shades is it you know flip it over and look at it um and study it very curiously yeah and the next step may be actually smelling it you know can you smell the raisin what does it smell like what does it remind you of you know and you're doing this you're taking a very slow time doing this and you're doing this 
with intention mm-hmm. and very curiously. Um, and, you know, as I'm talking about this, you, you may even have some thoughts going through your head, you know, and those thoughts may, may just pass there. They may be really loud, but come back to the raisin, come back to that. And the next step would be actually eating, putting the raisin in your mouth and tasting it and enjoying it for a moment. And what flavors do you sense? What do you sense your mouth doing? How are you engaging with that? The transference occurs. So that's that's kind of the mind, mindfulness of a raisin exercise in a very, very short, abbreviated version. But the transfer is, okay, you're out on the trail right now. What do you notice? What do you hear? You know, what, what sounds do you, what do you smell? You know, what do you feel on your feet? Do you feel your body? Do you feel your legs? Do you feel internally? Do you feel your legs burning? Do you feel your lungs? Do you hear your, your, um, your breathing? Do you hear the wind? Uh, do you hear the wind in the trees? What is the temperature on your skin? Do you feel moist? You know, do you feel sweaty or clammy or... You know, what does it feel like? So you're coming back to that present moment and engaging. You know, yesterday we were, you know, with Michelle doing a physiological, you know, physiology testing there and uh, in the headquarters, you know, um, at CTS. And uh, someone asked me, I said, what would you tell her right now? I said, nothing. You know, what, what, <laughs> yeah. if she's able to engage in the present moment right then and there and, and, and be able to focus on what, where she is and what she can control instead of this really hurts and I'm gonna <laughs> you know, and I'm hurting really bad, then that's gonna be a distraction. But if you can come back to right here, right now, that's gonna give you a little bit more power and you're gonna be able to control a little bit more. Um and so getting back to that idea of why is mindfulness second, that leads to everything else. <laughs> once your mind, you know, that yeah. once you're once you're once you're aware then you can move through that. Now, some people, like I said, are, you know, they're, they're really mindful. They can just go right up and down yeah. that, uh, right, right up and down that. So I, I think, I think people will start to see how mindful and mindfulness runs through the rest of them when we start to actually do that. Cause the next one is emotional regulation. Right. And, um, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of emotional regulation is you're running down the trail you catch a toe on a rock, you Superman across the trail, and you immediately start cursing and throw your water bottle down and your water oh, bottle yeah. busts. And now you're mad about the water bottle and the fact that you tripped. And then you look at your knee and your knee is scraped. And now you're mad that your knee is scraped and your water bottle's broken and you've just fallen. Somebody passes you and now you're mad that somebody saw this whole ordeal and you're losing <laughs> your temper on the middle of the trail. And just this big snowball of emotions that is cascading down the hill in this negative fashion that's what i think of it but i'm gonna like turn it over to you like emotional regulation like what is it and how do how do we work on well that's that's a great example because it's um you know you know i remember seeing you know i'm sitting in winfield for leadville and just seeing people kind of coming through at leadville and, and and are coming through at winfield and just you know oh you know yelling at their Yelling at their um, uh, crew, ah, I need this. And, uh, and, oh, dude, you're not going to make it. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, yeah. And so, and also think about it as the start of a race. 
Leadville's a really great example because they get you pumped up. Yeah, they, um, do. they don't. All right, you know, it's you. You got to get down and grit. You know, get really gritty here. You know, and everyone's amped up. That gun goes off, and they rock it down the boulevard. You know, and they're Downhill going start seven. Don't start <laughs> seven minute miles, and by you know by May Queen, they're walking. You know, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, Anybody who's ever been out to UTMB notices the same thing, but it's even more hilarious because there's so many people. Normally, oh, you're yeah. just like walking for 30 minutes. And so you've got all this like adrenaline from the music and, you know, the atmosphere and things like that. And then you have oh, to totally. emotionally regulate, right? Because your activity level is pretty low. Or your effort level is pretty right. low. So, you know, arousal control is the next step. So first of all, kind of going back to that mindfulness, we're going to jump back up there is you need to be aware of what's going on? What are you? What are your thoughts? What do you? What is your? What, what are the sensation inside? Oh yeah, I'm getting amped up. I always get amped up at the start of races. All right, what do I do? And I, one of the first things I tell people to do is let's take you know it. And this all depends on the race. This is 5K. It's going to be a little bit different. It's a you know it's a hundred yard dash. It's going to be a lot different. Um, and so I am trying to regulate that emotion. So hey, I've got 100 miles to go. I'm going to slow everything down here. And I'm going to, you know, and what I might do is take it, you know, take a deep breath and slow breath, diaphragmatic breath, letting your lungs fill up, you know, maybe five seconds in or six seconds in and slow breath out, seven seconds out. Um, or I may suggest some other things like square breathing, which is four seconds in and a four second hold, four seconds out, just slow down. Getting to aid stations, it's great. Uh, you know, I'll always recommend, it's like, okay, this is the place where you can take that deep breath. You can take a deep breath there, you know, do a leg swing, you know, do, you know, I, I, I my hips are, I'm getting old. And so I have to loosen up my hips every time I get to an aid station and I'll do that. And that resets that arousal because you get into the aid stations and sometimes some of those places are like, yeah, get out of here, yeah, your twin legs, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you run out, you grab your shoes, you know, you know, I forgot everything. So slow it down. <laughs> you know, so slow it down. You know, and this is where the, that those skills could be tremendous. Now, yeah, okay, the other side of that is higher arousal, right? 90 miles into the race. Oh, man, that would have been great for me had someone reminded me at, um, um, you know, well, most of my race is at 80 miles. So, <laughs> you know, at 80 miles, um. Uh, of, okay, let's let's amp up a little bit. You know, maybe take a few sh quick breaths. Okay, yeah. this is you know this is your football player here. You know, uh, we're getting ready. Yeah, this is the time to finish this thing off. Okay, and so getting amped up a little bit may be okay, but it all depends. You got to find your you know optimal zone. You know, the optimal zone of functioning is kind of what it's been called, and um, and really just kind of being in your zone. What is that optimal level of excitement and non-excitement for you? Everyone is different. Everyone has a different level of that. I am different than, you know, way everybody, you know. And um, and so finding that for you is is critical. So that's my question. Because I, yeah. I have a hard time figuring this out with athletes. And as you know, yeah. right, I, I go to a lot of races with athletes. And kind of one of my jobs is the emotional regulation within the aid station. And right. it's kind of this, it's one of those things where you try to learn about it a little bit uh, in advance, just from working with the athlete. 
But then when yeah. you get there in real time, you default to the second thing that you mentioned, right? The <laughs> hype, the, like the hype, right? And, oh, totally. and, and many totally. times that's a mismatch, right? When you need to kind of like bring in, you need to help them bring their emotional regulation down. So how do athletes go about figuring out what is optimal for them if it is an individual thing like how do we go and train these things to figure out how to deploy them in the race situations that you just mentioned self-awareness i think self-awareness is key so this is where you're writing that stuff down in training peaks or your personal mm-hmm. journal or wherever you know what are the what are, what what work for you on the smaller races? You know, I mean, after every race, you know, do you know do your race report for you? You don't have to put it out there on a blog or anything. You might, but you know, what is your race report? What worked for you? What was your not just you know okay this gel worked and this you know this worked. What was you what mindset worked for you? What you know yeah you know when I started this race, you know I just remember being just really calm and composed. Um, yeah, I think, I think back to some of the races that I didn't finish and I was like, and some of those, you may have been too low arousal, right? You you know, may have been too low. Um, and it's like, you know, I was really tired the night before and I get my sleep and like, why am I getting up at three o'clock in the morning, you know? And so noticing, reflecting on that stuff, writing that stuff down, you know, the races that I've been really successful at is just kind of. Yeah, yeah, that my, my mindset was right in that place. And if you notice that, you know, reflect on that, write it down. Even the shorter races, your 5Ks, your 10Ks, your half marathons, your 50Ks, write that stuff down, get really clear. This is where going back to that narrative can be really helpful. Um, and then let's how do we replicate that? You know, because that's you, you know, especially you know, at an elite level, is you got there for a reason. And now it's figuring out how do we replicate some of the good stuff and kind of, you know, you know, take out some of the stuff that wasn't too I, I look a lot. I look at that along the exact same lines when I do race debriefs with athletes. And I, I try to take the most meticulous notes in, the, in this area. Where were you running really good? And what were the things around that where you were running really well during the race? And then if you did have a low point, what got you into that low point and then what kind of got you out and then using that those kind of two patterns as the blueprint for teaching the athlete how to how to emotionally regulate in a future circumstance because right. in an ultra you you you've already kind of uh you've already kind of gone over this aspect you have the opportunity to go through this cycle more than a few times right just because of the duration of the race yeah. and you know you mentioned leadville and how all these aid stations work out and stuff like that like but yeah. it's not just 100 milers i mean even a marathon right marathon or even totally. short distance triathlon you have the opportunity to kind of go through marathon, these cycles for sure and, and it, 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 it's not just, I'm always going to be low arousal. I'm always going to be high arousal. I'm always going to be the hype, right. For everybody. Or I'm always going to be like even keel, like with, with in many cases, maybe not all in many cases, it's regulating that throughout the course of event to the correct extent. Right. Right. I, you know, I like to think, and I think you could divide almost any race up into this is composed, consistent, and then compete. And kind of these three C's is I love this, you know, okay, you're starting this race, even a 5k, you know, start composed, you know, you start composed, you want to be consistent. And then, you know, you get in the last third of the race, compete, 
you know, get last, you know, mile 70, you know, 60 or 70 of an, of 100, yeah, let's let's turn it on a little bit. You know, it's time, you know, time to wake up, get some coffee and, and go, you know, but early on, you need to be composed. The first 20, 30 miles, you need to be composed. And how are you going to do that? What is that going to look like? Um, and I, I just identifying the little pieces of that for you. And, and that's why this takes six months and not six weeks. You know? <laughs> this is this is start now. You got these races in June, July, and August and, and yeah. September. Start now. So so they're chronic adaptations, not acute adaptations. That's what we would say yes. in physiology, right? Exactly. They're, yeah. they're chronic adaptations. You know, and then, you know, these are neural nervous system pathways that we gotta mm-hmm. bring together. So you get it wired. So you get it dialed in and wired. Okay, so let's move let's move up the pyramid again. Just to recap for everybody, we've got motivation at the base, mindfulness skills next, emotional regulation after that, and this next one, which I think a lot of people like almost kind of default to this. Like they just go right oh, yeah. up they just go right up the pyramid to this one. And that's imagery and self-talk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to put self-talk and imagery. So, and so there's a reason very, I was very intentional about that um, is putting self-talk and then imagery. Um, So self-talk, you know, is what am I saying to myself? What is my mind telling me right now? You know, you know, and for the reason for the self-talk in front is a lot of people, you know, may not be able to, uh, you know, right away, have images in their minds. And so they're going to default to the thoughts and the self-talk that they're having. So let's, let's go there first and then we can kind of develop imagery. And for some people, it take, can take a longer time to actually develop that skill. Um, so what am I saying to myself? And I like to say, is it helpful? And do I need to use it? It can be positive self-talk. And, and, oh yeah, sometimes positive self-talk can be too much, right? And sometimes it takes a lot of energy to to create that it, it to hook on to that positive self-talk. So maybe, maybe it's just a matter of, you know, and this is a big word that it's kind of comes from acceptance commitment therapy or, or, um, or psychological flexibility is diffusing from that self-talk. So if you have a lot of automatic negative talk or unhelpful talk, is it, is that going to work? But also creating some of that positive self-talk mm. can be helpful. And if you find it helpful and find what works for you starting early, <laughs> you know, this is where uh, it's key that in that motivational self-talk fluctuating between motivational, you know, psyching yourself up, you know, using kind of in third person terms, you got this, you're, you know, you're strong. Um, you know, it's, it's time to push it, you know using a mantra, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I had this great mantra a, a couple of, you know, years, years ago already now, um, of, um, let it go. Uh, you probably heard, you probably heard, you saw the movie frozen. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Everybody's going to have and, that. And, you know, oh no, you don't want me to start singing it. And, you know, and you know, I had a four year old daughter at the time. And, you know, and so I'm playing, this is all, you know, and this is great. You know, I'm running the Boston Marathon. This is it, you know, and I've got this mantra and someone holds up a sign, let it go. Bum, bum, bum. You know, it's like, (laughs) yeah, you know, that's it. You know, and I get, I get emotional, you know, okay. Whatever works for you, you might not, it might not be let it go. It might be, you know, 
you know, whatever, you know, you got to come up with that term for yourself to find it. And you've got to test it out. Not a week before the race. You need to bring it with you on your long runs. You need to write it somewhere. Um, you know, I'll have, I'll have athletes write things down on a note card, just sitting by their gels at the aid station. So you got mm, crew out there, yeah. you got your gels. Okay. Look at my note card. Okay. Let's go grab this. Um, yeah. Put it on your water bottle and put it where you're going to see it and not mm. get, it's not going to get smeared up, you know, <laughs> by all the goo and the water that's on you. So you're using that to get yourself psyched up. So create these, Inst- you know, create these instruction instructional self-talk is just just that, you know, maybe it's like something like stand tall, move, move your feet, you know, um, it could be, all right, let's push ourselves to that next glow stick at night, you know, let's go yeah. three more clips, three more clips, you know, let's go. And, um, and, you know, that could be instructional like that. Um, but in order to get there, you have to be aware that you are hooked on the negative self-talk. So this is coming back to the mindfulness skills because you're not going to be able to just like magically, well, you know, oh, make this go away. You know, it's not going to go away. You know, be aware of your talk. What can I use now? Can I use motivational self-talk? Okay. If that works for me, or maybe I just diffuse from this and really become really present uh, and, and keep focusing on moving forward. So you see a lot of athletes and I've taken this strategy as well, use the note card strategy that you just mentioned earlier. They'll have their like mantras on there, Yeah. but I get the sense, not with everybody, but with a lot of people that they did that the night before the race and almost like a hail Mary type of approach. Like, what am I going to need to tell myself when things go right? Oh my God, it's this thing I heard from David Goggins. And then they write it down on a note card, they (laughs) stuff it on their water bottle in their pack. Like it's going to be some like magic elixir or something like that. (laughs) It's totally totally right on. I mean, you know, and and that's, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, they may or may not be doing that, but um, you know, and I know for myself, I've, I've done that, you know, like, yeah, oh, yeah. this doesn't work. Let it go is something that I had for months and months and months. And that's the thing is, you know, you've got to practice now, practice now, test it out, test, make, you know, do your test strategies in the same mm-hmm. way you're testing your, like, you know, okay, you got your goo or you got your scratch or whatever, you know, whatever your nutritional strategy is, what you need to be starting to develop your self-talk strategy, you know? And, you know, again, I, I like to kind of, you know, emphasize there, yeah, sometimes this is helpful and sometimes diffusing from, you know, the negative self-talk and really focusing on just becoming present, it can be equally as helpful. Because if you're trying to force something that's not there, you're using energy yeah. that you don't have. And anytime you, you start using extra mental energy, you're taken away from the race. So I want to talk on uh, on another aspect that's, it's kind of tangentially related to that, that I'm kind of fascinated by my colleague, um, JT Kearney, who is really influential in my, in my coaching career, he would call this dissociative enthusiasm. So being enthusiastic, irrespective of what the situation was calling for, right? And the way that he would describe it to me is, is you can get away with that with an athlete, maybe once 
may like maybe maybe want may, maybe once <laughs> like yeah. so so once is the maximum amount yeah. of times and yeah. then if that enthusiasm or, or optimism or whatever else you want to however else you want to call yeah. it if it's not rooted in some reality or not it's not kind of like deliberate or if it's dissociated from reality to use his vocabulary yeah it actually becomes a negative reinforcement loop totally. because the athletes are smart they like under they understand that in whatever moment in time you're telling them that they're you awesome. Look good. Yeah, yeah. You look, you they look understand. Good. They understand that <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> yeah, they understand that they're not awesome at the time. Like right. you can't you can't kind of fool them. And I yeah. want to like get your like perspective on the balance of this because our natural tendency is we want to pump people up. Like we want to like yeah. make them feel good no, about themselves. Totally, totally. Well, I mean, you know, it, and it's just that. It's just that because then you start. Um, fighting it, right? Then, then you're getting into this contingency, you know, where your mind is going, no, it's not, I'm not super positive right now. Yeah. And I am not, you know, at any time, you know, I, you know, this is where I, you know, you know I love thinking about, you know, energy, not just for your body, you know, but, but for the other part of your body, this big part of your body right here, your mind. Okay. So when we think about calories, it's not just to move forward, it's to make this work, okay? Yeah. And if I'm using, if I'm just trying to fight something and push it away, you know, or I'm fighting it because, it's like, you know, I think I think of the term toxic positivity. And over, you know, over positivity like that, at times, can be unhelpful, mm. you know? And so we got to regulate that for the athlete and for yourself, what works for you. I don't want it, you know, I don't want it to be a downer here, you know, but I mean, optimism is good. You know, I will say that, Yeah. but it's, you've got to develop, you got to regulate that. What is good for you? You know, and okay. Yeah. Hey guys, you know, I really appreciate when you say this to me, you know, that's what you're talking to your crew. Um, this is, you know, I appreciate when you say this to me, that helps me a lot. Have mm. that communication beforehand. That's why you as a coach, you know, if you're, we're sitting there black Canyon next week, what works for you? You know, I'll have a runner come in there. I'm going to ask her this week, you know, what's going to work for you when I'm out there, you know, mile 20, you know, you, you got 40 left, you know, what's going to help you here? Um, you know, so I am there, you know, for her. Um, so yeah, thinking of that, that way. You know, I mean, I, I just think that sometimes we get, it's really easy to get hooked on this idea that, you know, a positive is good, positive is good. And it is, but there's a balance on there. There's a balance that you, you, know, you need to regulate that. It's like, is this too much energy that I'm, uh, that's, that's not where I'm at right now. Okay. Well, it's, how do we refocus though? How do we diffuse from that? You know, whatever, you know, if you're in a negative space, how do we diffuse from that and come back to right here, right now? There we go, back down to mindfulness. Yeah. So, the, in terms of like figuring out what works, I, I try to draw that out in the training process when yeah. things go good and things go bad, because the training process, it's kind of like, it's always a mirror image of the, not always, but in the vast majority of cases, it's like a mirror image of the race. If your training is very, it has all these undulations in it, like peaks and valleys. The race is probably going to have that. If your training is really consistent, right? And you're just kind of like nailing everything. The race is probably going to be pretty consistent, not without flaws, yeah. but, but pretty consistent. And to your point of like, how, like, how can I help you? I try to draw that out during the training process. Sure, Whenever yeah. there is something, Hey, listen, this is really good. Like, tell me why it was really good. Okay. How can I help you? 
mm-hmm. like understand that it was really good. And the same thing on the other side, Hey, this week was really bad. Like, let's pull yourself out of this. How can I help you pull yourself out of this? And they kind of like use those as like the race cues almost. Yeah. Oh, that totally makes sense. You know, I mean, absolutely. You know, you, you know, you've done that, you've done that work already. And so utilizing that again, so here we go, six weeks, six months out. Now use it again, that you've got that relationship and you got that rapport with that athlete. Say, so, all right, let's, let, hey, this is this, remember when we did this in training? Yeah. This is, this is where we are right now. Yeah. So the other part of this rung of the pyramid or leg of the pyramid is imagery, right? So we talked a lot about self-talk, oh, yeah. like here, this yeah. is how I'm, this is how I'm going to talk to myself. How does imagery fold into this? How does imagery fold into this particular leg? So, you know, imagery, you know, or really visual representations of, you know, what you're doing. You could create your own little movie, you know, in your head. <laughs> and, you know, for, for some races, you could actually maybe even like watch YouTube videos of first person. You know, I did this for the Leadville 100 bike is you could actually look for, look at first person, you know, level 100 clips of, you know, what's it like to go down power line? So you, you're creating your own highlight reel. And uh, with some athletes, I'll have them, you know, like mountain bikers. And it's okay, you know, we're going to put your GoPro on and you're going to go through those sections that you have trouble with. And, uh, you know, have, have your, make them make music to it, you know, and then I want you to watch it. And then I want you to replay it in your mind. You know, what was that? What did that feel like? What did, what was, you know, we're going to kind of go back to this mindfulness process again, too, is what did this feel like? What it was the sensations on your body when you're doing this? Now, if you could do a, a real over a GoPro. I'm just, this is my GoPro here, you know, or you can write a script out. You know, and, you know, go through step by step, not, you know, not a hundred mile race, because that might be a few thousand pages, but go through, (laughs) go through, go, you know, go through sections where you think you may struggle or sections, you know, because it's the good sections that, you know, you may not need to do this with, you know, you know, the start to make, you know, you know, or maybe the start of a race, you know, what does that look like? What do you want to look like? What do you want to feel like? How do you want to, you know, how do you want to be during this experience? Write that out as a script. Um, and this is, I mean, it's interesting as I'm thinking about this, this is your uh, ability. Once you become mindful, then you can actually move towards that vision. Mm. You know, once you're, you know, like, oh yeah, this is, oh yeah, now we practice this a couple of times. Now this isn't something you do a week before the race. This is something you do now. And start building that, uh, writing some of those scripts out. You know, maybe it's you know five, you don't have to do like a twenty minute script. Do five minutes. Um, <laughs> it doesn't. Ha- know, it doesn't I, have to be a I, Lord I, of the Rings uh, Peter Jackson not, movie. It doesn't right? have to be a, not a Peter Jackson movie. Not a novel. Just one page. You know, I see myself. But you know, go through different scenarios. Oh, you know, I, I got I got out there and I forgot my favorite gel. You know, and now what am I going to do? How am I going to respond to this? And, um, but you go through just like we did in the mindfulness of the raisin, go through the physical sensations, go through, you know, what is it doing outside? What is it, you know, what are your friends saying to you? What is a crew saying to you? What does that feel like to be that runner right here, right now? 
And that's your highlight reel. Yeah. Practice that. Yeah. Here, so, okay, let's help people start with this, though, because I think okay. a lot of people, you get to the Peter L. Jackson reference, ultramarathons <laughs> yeah. are long, right? That's a long script yeah. that you can pick different points of imagery from. Oh, totally. And a big hurt, as you know, right, a big hurdle for athletes that are trying to deploy specifically this imagery strategy is, is like, what, like, what should I imagine? Like, well, like, what should it be? Should it be an aid station? Should, like you said, the start line, like, can you kind of give some direction on like, if you were to pick one thing, where would they actually start? So, you know, I mean, let's, let's find a crux of the race, find a crux of the race. What are the crux? So let's the power line climb coming back uh, in Leadville. That's a crux of the race. Uh, So the most important thing, that's kind of where you're getting uh, at. The most important. Yeah. You find, find those most important sections. Okay. Um, You know, where might you have trouble? You know, so um, uh, so that might be you know a, you know Leadville. Um, I have Led, I do Leadville a lot, um, and so you know I think the power line climb. I think about going up oh, pass from Winfield. What does that look like? What does that feel like? You know, what are you doing? How? What does the athlete that you want to be look like here? And then you know, write that down in your script. You know, maybe if it's a professional athlete, maybe it is, you know, in the later stages of the race and, uh, you know, you're either leading the race or you just got passed by somebody. How do you want to re- respond? Do you mm. want to respond going, oh, you know, or do you want to respond like, all right, here we go. The chase is on. Let's go. You know, and what does that look like? What are you physically doing at this point? Mm. So, it, I mean, here, here's what's really cool about this, right? If we kind of like move, move through the, yeah. the yeah. order of skills, the way you would start that, it's almost the opposite of the mindfulness side of things where you're picking something mundane and even outside of the competitive environment, washing the dishes, yeah. looking at your raisin or your propane bolts, you know, or folding your clothes. Like we mentioned, like those are things that are not related to the context of sport for the, for the imagery side of things. You're deliberately picking something within the sport that right. is that is impactful, not just like tying my right. shoes, going to the start line, like something that's <laughs> right. actually going to be impactful. Something that's going to be impactful. And you set it up so, I mean, it could be just a, um, could be just something that is, yeah, I want to, fi- you know, how I want to finish this race. What do I want to look like? So that's, that's kind of easy to do. We all want to be like, you know, doing that heel <laughs> click, right? You know, <laughs> I can never do a heel click. Don't even ask me to do that. <laughs> but the, it, it's going to trying to create that challenging situation for you, you know, okay. You, you know, your quads are beat up, you know, your feet are just, just trashed how do you want to respond to this? Yeah. What do you want to look like here? And this is, yeah, this is taking that mindfulness three steps up here. It's like, okay, this is how I'm going to be able to visualize this. This is something, you know, like I, like, like I said, this is the reason why self-talk kind of comes beforehand is because we can kind of hear the thoughts in our heads. So for some people, some people, not all, it, you know, it could be a little bit more challenging to get that image in. And so practicing with smaller things, you know, um, you know, practicing, you know, okay, what's it like just standing outside, you know, when I practice imagery, I, I'm, you know, for this, for the five minute script, I might be standing up and, you know, mm-hmm. as if I'm running, or I might even go through it in my head 
as I am running, you know, that there is a, a strong connection to that physical um, stance that you're in uh, to the actual experience, you know, I, and I tell every athlete this, you know, in regards to imagery, years ago, I was learning to kayak and um, I had a video, I had a VHS video, this says how old I am, um, a VHS video, um, and we had put in and it would show you how to roll a kayak. And someone was asking, why are you doing, you know, what, you know, what's, yeah. what's the purpose of that? And I was able to roll the kayak before I was able to get, you know, got, got in the kayak into the water. And that's because I had that whole thing down that I would sit there, you know, on the TV set, you know, and you do my whole kayak roll. And, and that helped me tremendously develop that, you know, the same thing with, you know, other professional sports, basketball, football, they're visual. They'll go through these, you know, visualizations or imagery of, you know, throwing that touchdown pass, throwing that pass and going through their plays. I mean, they've got it all wired in. I, uh, um, I heard, I listened to this, uh, really famous MMA fighter, the longtime fans of the podcast will know I'm a big MMA fan. And, yeah. uh, he it was Vitor Belfort. And, and after he retired, who's a, he was a prolific, uh, uh, fighter, maybe, you know, five years ago or something like that, five or eight years ago. And I heard him on this podcast talking about uh, imagery. And he said what, one of the things that he would do in practice for his imagery practice is position or is to, to visualize himself in the worst position possible that his opponent could put him in. Yep. So he's in his opponent's, what you know, say, say it's a guillotine choke, right? His opponent is really famous for a guillotine choke. He's in his opponent's guillotine choke up against the cage in the worst position possible where it's a 99% you know, chance where he's going to get finished. And he, and he visualizes himself getting out of that step by step. First, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this other thing, and then I'm going to do this other thing. But the point of it all was for him, it was the worst possible scenario. Right. And how yeah. can I, and can I actually image myself? Can I actually, actually visualize myself getting out of the worst position possible and have somewhat of a successful outcome and to your, into your point, right? Key. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like, cause you can do it in your mind and it's never as bad in reality. Most of the time it's not as bad in, in reality yeah. oh, totally. and you have some blueprint. <laughs> yeah. Totally. That's, I mean, that's exactly it. Imagine yourself, you know, you know, if you're a professional runner, uh, you know, or even, you know, someone who's trying to get a sub 25 or a 24 hour, you know, belt buckle, you know, for a hundred mile race is, is visualizing that. I always do this. I mean, actually I, I visualize that clock, mm. um, for the Leadville 100 bike. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and I'm getting down and I'm just, you know, I'm doing it on my trainer and I'm just going, you know, and that, wow. Well, you know, my FTP, you know, just shot up, you know, 300 Watts. I mean, it's, it's in that, that's exactly it. You know, you practice those scenarios, over and over and over again in your mind. Yeah. So for like a gold, like let's make this realistic to an ultramarathon uh, yeah. race. So for like a golden hour finisher coming into a aid station at mile 80, right against the cutoffs. Cause that's kind of yeah. likely right for, mm -hmm. a, for a golden hour finisher to kind of press the cutoffs right there. If you've right. done it in your mind and training, how am I going to react? Got five minutes yeah. to go to leave the aid station. How am I going to react? These are the five things I'm going to do. When you encounter it in reality, you're like, oh yeah, I've been here. 
even though you really haven't. Totally. Like physically, totally. you haven't been there, but mentally, totally. you have. So grab your gels, grab your water, yeah, go. But you know, if you haven't then, rehearsed yeah, that in your yeah. head, that's where you see the panic, right? And you've seen oh, this totally. like happen. Oh, you've yeah, seen I've people seen panic seen when they really don't need to. See it at May Queen, you see it at Twin Lakes, yeah. you see it at Outward Bound, you totally. know, it's, you know, whatever race, you know, yeah, whatever race you're doing, you know, at Bighorn, it was, um, uh, you know, I can't remember the name, last name of the aid station, Dry Creek or, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's exactly it. Yeah. You know, you, you rehearse that, you know what you're doing. Let's go. <laughs> cool. All right. Let's go yeah. up the pyramid. The point, the point, of, yeah, the pointy part of it, it's focus. Yeah. So this is the final part. I mean, you know, and the, and the reality is, um, this, this is it. Um, I'm kind of getting my notes out here. Where's your attention? You know, what are you focused on? You know, this is, I, this ultimately it's critical because if you are focused right now on all the stuff that's going on upstairs, you know, this person just passed me, uh, what your mind is telling you, um, that race is going to be really, really challenging. If you are able to focus your attention on what those things are that you can control right now, that could be something, and I use these terms, narrow, broad, internal, and external, I can, you know, and I can go over those really briefly is, you know, we, we think of our attention as being either inside of ourselves or outside of ourselves, internally, externally. And then there's a narrow focus of, you know, I, you know, uh, you know, that, that cut on my arm, I really focused inside, you know, yeah. that or the broad or the, you know, or, you know, overall internally, you know, yeah, it's okay. You know, I feel pretty loose right now. You know, this is, this is the way to feel or externally, it might be, you know, what, you know, what broad, it might be what the weather's doing or narrow. It might be, you know, I need to get to that next tree <laughs> I, need to get, I need to get up this next 50 foot what is my focus where am i how am i directing how am i narrowing that down or i need to pass that i need to catch that runner how am i going to do that and how am i going to okay let's move let's focus on the movement forward right now again you're, you know, you, 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 i feel even thinking about this as the thoughts coming up in my head oh you know what if what if you know, ah focus you know, and, you know, I love watching um, Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid movies, <laughs> you know, and, and Mr. Miyagi was, you know, focused on your son, you know, and that was X. That was totally it, you know, because, you know, Daniel, uh, Daniel LaRusso was caught up in his head, you know, and he's like, ah, oh, you know, they're going to beat me. Blah, 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 blah. Focus, you know, and OK, well, what do we do? We just emotionally regulated. Now we're coming up the ladder here to this paying attention to what I need to do. And, you know, these are the controllables. Um, you know, the greater control, you know, focus is the greater likelihood of success. So if you're able to control that or manage that focus, it's gonna be hard. You know, we talked about kind of think about energy. It's like, yeah, that focus is kind of hitting. Um, sometimes, you know, you know, and, and I know you've talked about associative and dissociative focus, and I think that too is very helpful knowing when to switch it on and switch it off. What do I need to focus outside of myself right now? Or what do I know need to focus? Maybe just kind of check it out. Yeah. You, know, you know, I had an athlete who was like, 
Uh, she's training for Cocodona and she was like, oh, I was just a practice dissociation, Neil, you know, <laughs> and just listening to the music. And that was it. It was perfect because yeah. you're going to have 250 miles of, <laughs> of a lot. It's know? hard to maintain narrow associative focus for 250 yes. miles. But I mean, yes. some people can do it. I some kinda, people can do it. I yeah. kind of view this almost like, so when you look at all these, I almost view it as like interval training, right? Like you want to totally. be able to switch between if I want to use the interval training analogy, yeah. high intensity for short periods of time, medium intensity for medium periods of time and low intensity for long periods of time. And here you want to be able to switch from narrow focus for certain periods of time, broad focus for certain period of time, internal for certain periods of time and external based yeah. on what the situation kind of dictates. And I almost prescribe it. I don't almost, I do. I kind of prescribe it like that, you know, like, yeah. Hey, for two minutes, two focus on how your foot feels. Okay, two then minutes. let's switch on. So, yeah, and that's all it takes, like a yeah, couple minutes. two minutes. You know, you don't, the thing is, is, is you know, it's uh, practicing it just a little, take five minutes to practice any of this on a run. Okay, so you're you're going on your run. Don't, don't, you know, don't try to spend the whole day doing it because then you're just like, you're not paying attention to the run. You're not focused on the run. And so take five minutes, 10 minutes of your workout to just, you know, practice some of this stuff and switch on and off and like, okay, oh yeah, I was like enjoying that pizza just a minute ago. Um, <laughs> you know, so dissociative focus is really kind of, you know, I, I kind of describe it as checking out, kind of going into your head, listening to your music, miles kind of go by. Where associative is you are focused on really the present where you are right here, right now. And we kind of talk about that a little bit, but you can control that um, and not being focused on how my, what my mind is telling me and what my mind is, how my mind is pushing me around. Because if you're focused on that, you're not focused on what you can control. And switching between those two is this like that I think is the hero skill. I think that's like the, like the Mr. Miyagi, you know, ask yeah. thing. If you can intentionally say, I'm going to apply some associative focus here and some dissociative focus over here based on what's going to make you run and not just check out the whole time. Like we mentioned, right. on, not just put my, ear, just not put my, my headphones right. in for all 250 miles and just be oblivious, oblivious to everything. That is easier said than done because we think that checking out is easy, but right. at some point you have to check back in and learning when and why to check out is a way harder skill than a lot of people give credit for. Oh yeah. I mean, this is, this is where reviewing your race, you know, maybe even reviewing, okay, even taking a short section and review, okay, where where's the best place to, you know, put my headphones? Well, you know, mile 30 to mile 60, you know, yeah, great. Yeah. You know, when, you know, when do I need this? Take this away from me, you know, make sure you know, take this away from me now. Cause this is when I need to focus mile 80. Someone take away my headphones. Okay. <laughs> this is when I need to focus here. I need to get through these aid stations. Um, you know, uh, that, you know, I, I, it's critical, but uh, you're know, kind of going back in the, into the triangle, and the pyramid, in the triangle, the pyramid is going back to that mindfulness stuff, right? Is that's being aware of where your mind is right here, right now. Let's be able to move that focus like a flashlight, even. So think of it, think of focus of like a flashlight, and you can kind of adjust the beam of it. Um, you can only control that flashlight if you're aware 
of what's going on, where you are right now, what your mind is doing and how it's pushing you around. So you could take that flashlight and go, all right, all right, here we go. This is what I'm focusing on. Okay, take off the brakes a little bit. Have some of that emotional regulation too. So you think of that dissociation, that's some of that emotional regulation there too. So I love how it just, yeah, it's kind of, you're kind of cycling through the pyramid a little bit too. Can you, you mentioned this earlier. So now now that we've gone through all five of these, it's really six. You can have a six-step pyramid. Yeah. To find and divide yeah. up imagery and self-talk, but that's nitpicking. Oh, totally. But you mentioned but this. Kind, like you, you mentioned this kind of earlier. Like a lot of athletes, especially very good athletes, that have already have some like developed uh, mental skills. They kind of like rocket to the top of the pyramid. Oh, yeah. I want to hear a little bit more about that because, like my, you know, you know me, I'm kind of methodical about some of these things. Yeah. I would always want to start at the base, like with the right. fundamental stuff and like start there. So wh- who are good candidates to like rocket through it versus people who need to spend a lot of time on the fundamentals? I, I would I would say the people who know <laughs> what their motivation is, uh, you know, people who know, who practice, you know, have some mindfulness skills, even though they may not identify it as mindfulness skills. Um the and you know have those self-talk skills have practice you know have ability because I mean, people some people naturally have that ability to do this and then some people may have it might be more challenging yeah. and so that's where it's like okay you know if you know you could actually almost use this as an assessment yeah. right you know and this it, and it, you know i've started actually you know i, I put this out there and I was like, wow you know, I was working with an athlete. I, was like, I can actually use this pyramid as an assessment because I can go, okay, where are they motivationally? Where, you know, what are their mindfulness skills? How are they able to emotionally regulate? Do they have self-talk skills or, you know, and imagery skills? Great. Awesome. Let's move up that ladder to, you know, kind of adjust the focus. Oh, wait a second. You know, they, you know, they're not able to stay present. Let's go back to the mindfulness skills. They don't know what their motivation is for doing this race or their motivation is really Strava clicks. Let's talk about motivation. <laughs> you know, you know, I want to look, I want to be really cool and get this belt buckle, you know, and show it to all my friends. Okay. But what else is in there? Usually there's, you know, cause it's going to get challenging here. Let's talk about motivation. Um, you know, and what are those values behind it? So I could, you know, you could go in an assessment and go, go through that pretty quickly and go, yeah, 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 okay. All right, you know, here's where we're gonna work. You know, this is where we're gonna work. You know, maybe they wanna work over here and I just wanna work on my focus. Okay, let's talk about that. But, you know, maybe we need to work on some of the motivation or some of the other skills, you know, along the way. I mean, just it's just like physical coaching, right? You're tailoring the prescription based on the strengths and weaknesses or what the athlete comes to the table with. Exactly. It's It's the same thing here, but you've got the skillful eye to determine yeah. that and you would use this as a assessment tool essentially. Yeah. That's it. So, you know, assessment tool or just, you know, just kind of, yeah, you could use it as an assessment tool and you can probably use it pretty quickly. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of my, you know, just, you know, in a short conversation with some athletes, you know, doing mental performance work, you're, you're only working with them very briefly, you know, so, so a lot of them will call you two weeks before the race or three weeks before the race. And like, how do you, okay, how do we <laughs> adjust course. this? You know, it's a crash course. You know, or, you know, uh, you know, examples have been given. I've heard a lot of, uh, you know, mental skills folks who've gone to the Olympics. They're getting in the car with somebody who's going to the race. You know, it's like, okay, 
you know, and it's like, all right, here we go. Let's fire it out. Uh, but usually when they're that Olympic level, they've already got that, all yeah. those other skills. You know, let's tap it. Let's remind you that you've got those skills. So, okay, this is really important though. When you are working with an athlete on their mental skills in an ideal situation, what does that look like? Are you prescribing something every day, twice a week? Like just kind of like, like we do this with coaching, right? Yeah. I'm going to see yeah. every file so, that comes across the wire. I'm going to prescribe, you know, three weeks worth of workouts for you. And then I'm going to analyze the data, blah, blah, blah. We've got kind of like, like we're on a show. What is that in the psychology world? It's, it, you know, it, it depends. I mean, you know, it, it is, if you're, is you're getting to know me, I'm very processy. Okay. Yeah. You know, and so it depends on the athlete and where they're coming. Some people just want to kind of process it, but most often, uh, you know, I like to send somebody home with, I don't say homework, but, you know, you know, you know, some so tool. Like, you know, but, you know, but, ah, homework, you know, you need to do your reps, you know, yeah. and, um, and it might be, okay, let's start out with some of this basic mindfulness stuff so you can get unhooked from that, all that unhelpful self-talk. It might be something really brief. Um, and, you know, I might send them home with like a, uh, you know, even just a little two minute mindfulness practice or so let's let's try getting on a headspace and just practice this for a little bit or i might go here is what self-talk is i want you to you know write down let's let's kind of start creating some mantras so it might be it it really you know it's like any athlete that comes to you it depends it depends where they are how close they are to the race it might be whether we're kind of cycling through that stuff and going all right Let's let's talk on that self-talk strategies. I, you know, I, I think of an athlete I was talking to recently where it was like, no, nah, we're not going to do this mindfulness stuff, but we're going to go over here because mm-hmm. this stuff is good. You know, you kind of do this already, but let's let's find this and how this is going to have a little bit more power for you right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that kind of assessment goes. And you're like, yeah, let's go. Let's go with this. Um, yeah, this was it's, awesome, uh, Neil. Yeah. This was, well, this there's was so many awesome. other pieces to that. So you'll see on the, on the pyramid um, that, you know, how self-compassion and harmonious passion and optimism play into it and how through that pyramid it develops confidence and resilience too. So that's, I'm excited about it because I've just been digging into it. <laughs> Well, once again, this is, I've mentioned this to you and to our coaching staff a lot. Like I I did not grow up with this background, right? I wasn't educated with this background. I kind of came into coaching from a physiology background or even a cellular background, right? A biochemistry background, if you want to go back that far. So I will, I will always (laughs) be behind in this because I will always have had more training on the physiology side of things than on the psychology side of things. And not that those are the only two things, but they're two big things. And so anytime I can get my hands on somebody who, you know, does it for a living and kind of pick their brain and go through the framework and things like that, it helps me. And I can tell you the, like the one thing that I'm taking out of this is using this pyramid as an assessment tool. I'd never had thought about that to start to orchestrate kind of the sequence of events and the priority of skills and how to kind of run through them. 
yeah. I, 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 I never, I never really thought about using this in that fashion to initially awesome. help to, yeah, because I, I would just always kind of default to, this is what I should do first. And this is what I should do, which is hilarious because you know, I, I like on the physiological <laughs> side of things, I'm like, you don't so, need to yeah, always do these things that's first. Me on the physiological side, I was like, okay, what I should do first. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a run. <laughs> exactly. Let's just go run. <laughs> All, right. All right, my friend, I'm going to let you go because I know you have to go run. You have a killer recovery run. run on your uh, schedule mm -hmm. today, so yes. I hear. Um, oh, this is a 30-minute endurance run. Oh, 30-minute endurance <laughs> run. All right. Uh, hopefully, you <laughs> survive. Maybe you can work on some uh, imagery during that. Okay, um, maybe. Where can people find out about this? I'm going to leave this in the okay. show notes and links to this in the show notes, but where can they find out more about you, your practice, and specifically this pyramid that we went through? Okay, so this pyramid, I'm going to be doing a kind of a six week training, um, which starts March 1st and goes through May 24th. It's two weeks each month, and it's one night, 7 to 8 p.m. Mountain Time. And uh, you could find information on it at www.coloradopsychotherapyandsport.com. And, uh, and again, sign up, you can sign up and, uh, yeah, we're, you know, we'll spend an hour just talking about motivation and introducing this and just kind of going through some things and they'll have some handouts to, you know, so you could work on some of these skills so we can start now for your races later on, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to upsell it, but you know, I'm just, it's like, God, this, this could really help people. <laughs> start yeah. now. That's what I yeah. can. Well, yeah. That's the other thing that I get emphasis from is just start now. Yeah. Don't wait until the car ride to the start line to, to yeah. use your Olympic analogy, right? <laughs> start now. Yeah, don't, don't wait to the car ride. You know, <laughs> just you know, start now. Um, you know, and it's just like, you know, we tell all our athletes, all right, right now you need to be, you know, trying out different gels. You need to be trying out your different drink mixes. What works for you? Okay, you got a three hour long run, you got a six hour long run, well, great, let's practice this stuff right now instead of later. So. Neil, I appreciate it a lot, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. This is yeah. great. No problem, man. Take care. All right, folks, there you have it. There you go. That concludes this two-part series all about mental skills for ultra running. Thanks to Neil for coming on the podcast and really putting this together in a package that I think is digestible for just about anyone, even if you have not done any previous work with mental skills. If you start out with some of these foundational things like motivation and mindfulness, then you can move on to the more advanced mental skills of emotional regulation, imagery and self-talk, and finally focus. Also, big shout out to Justin Ross for coming on on the podcast last week. I hope that everybody took notes between last week and this week, and you can start to formulate your own plan for how you are going to reinforce your mental skills for the year. If you want to use either Justin or Neil as part of your repertoire, as part of the people that you are bringing into your circle to help you performance, they are available. Links to both of them are in the respective show notes from each of those podcasts. And I can also tell you something else. I'm going to expand on this concept with a couple of additional podcasts coming up in the future. I already have one booked with the incredible Carla Mahin. Her book that I'm going to show on the screen right now, Endurance Performance in Sports, Psychological Theory and Intervention, might have the most sticky notes in it. 
per page that I think of, of anything in my library. I use it a tremendous, a tremendous amount in my own practice. She's confirmed as coming on the podcast sometime in March. And I'm also looking to bring on a couple of experts in this space because I know you all, the audience, consider this something extremely valuable and something that actually has a can have a market effect on your performance. Appreciate the heck out of all you listeners out there. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends and your training partners. That is the way we get the word out about how amazing this podcast is. So I appreciate it when you guys do that for me. It means a lot to me personally, as well as professionally. That is it for today, folks. And as always, we will see you out on the trails. 